we don't just let anyone come on the team. We have uh, an interview process and it's not just with Bob and myself. We have like an executive team and they will meet and talk with a potential agent who wants to join because we want to make sure it's a good fit. We have a wonderful culture and we want them to be a part of it and we want them to embrace it. We also want them to know that we have their back. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 342 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. Today, we're headed to the nation's capital, or really close to it, I should say, in uh, Ellicott, Maryland. We're going to be talking to Rana Chu. She is part of the Bob and Rana Group with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services PenFed. I met Rana when we were talking to Bob and Rana about the 2023 Agent of the Year Awards. And she has such an energy and such a, such a love for the industry. I just, at the moment right there, I said, I need to have you on the podcast. I think you're going to feel that. You're going to hear that as well. Uh, let's get this thing started. Rana, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bill. I really appreciate you asking me to be on your podcast. Very nice of you. Yeah. You know, we, we, we met during our, some of the things we're doing with the Agent of the Year Awards. And I was uh, really blown away by your energy. And, and I said, this is somebody who needs to be on the show. So I'm very excited to have you on here. Well, thank you. That's, that's, that's yeah. kind of you. I, yeah, I try, I try to exude energy because no one wants to talk to somebody who doesn't talk. So. Perfect. Let's start, first of all, where you live. You're actually in, I'll call it the Baltimore, D.C. area. There's that big 40-mile area, right, where uh, yes. you can be in either place quickly. Did you grow up in that area? So I did. I'm actually from Maryland, born and raised. I grew up in, um, in Montgomery County, Maryland, the Rockville area, which is then you're considered a Washingtonian. And then um, I currently live in Howard County, Howard County sits in between Washington, D.C. and Baltimore. So, you know, 30 minutes one way, 45 to 55 minutes the other way, depending upon traffic. So it's a great it's a great place to live so that you can get to all these different areas. Not only is the, you know, the nation's capital there with all of that sort of business, I'll call it, but you're also close to a lot of military. I mean, there's just a, there's a whole range of of clientele that I imagine you would work with. Yes, yes, because yeah. we uh uh, Fort Meade is about 20 minutes from our office. Uh, our team office is located in Ellicott City, Maryland. Uh, part of our position with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services is that we have office space in every single one of their locations. So it makes it very nice for the agents. I love going back to the, the beginning for, my, for, every, for all of my guests. Let's talk about Growing up so close to Washington, D.C., I think that for most people, it's a bucket list item to get to the Capitol, to go there and tour and do those things. And I would imagine for you, it'd be, uh, it probably just comes routine. Is that, is that the way it works? Here's what's hap what happens when you live here and you go through the Maryland school system. So there are a series of field trips that you take in elementary school to visit at the time 
I believe it was the Smithsonian. It was to walk outside of the White House. It was to visit the Capitol. It was to visit the Lincoln Memorial. After that, you were kind of on your own. (laughs) I remember when the pandas came to the National Zoo. That was a big deal. But, you know, you sort of, I hate to say it, wherever you live, it just becomes your normal. And you kind of take it for granted because you can always get in the car and you can go down there. However, as you go through your adult life and you're running around doing so many things, you're not heading down to D.C. And then once you're in college, depending on where you are, and I went to school, uh, I graduated from George Mason, which is in Northern Virginia, Fairfax. Uh, I was so busy. We didn't always frequent D.C. either once in a while. So it's a nice place to be able to go. And there's so much more to do now. And the transit system is wonderful to be able to take um, what we call Metro, the train down or just drive yourself. Parking is horrendous. At one time, I worked at the National Press Building, and that was nice. Um, I had a a job position there. We're going back many years. But um, I don't miss the traffic, and I don't miss the fact that it's just to go down there, you have to be all ready (laughs) to go. (laughs) It's not like just a quick jump in the car, run down, pull in a parking spot, run in and do whatever you need to do. It's not exactly like that. But worth it if you get to go go visit. First of all, as an elementary school student, the ability to, during your American history classes, to actually go see the things and go visit the things you were talking about, right? right? That would be, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, we, we have a son who lives in Adams Morgan in DC. So okay. when we get to go visit, we, we, we see uh, what you're talking about, traffic and parking. So it is interesting because the kids that are local, they can go visit and they have one look on their faces. And then you can take somebody maybe from, I don't know, I'm going to I'm gonna pull Indiana, right? And they're coming to visit. And they are like, wow. So it's, yeah. wherever, it's wherever you are. You just get used yeah. to it. You mentioned George Mason. Uh, what was the plan for you when, for let's say, 20-year-old Rana, what were you thinking about for a career path? So I actually graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts. You have to take a few more credits in theater and um That's really my background is theater and entertainment. And I wanted to do all kinds of things. I was in front of the camera. I was behind the camera. I was on stage. I was by stage. I mean, it was, you know, you you name it. And I did it, whether it was freelance or where you are uh, not getting paid, (laughs) just to get the experience, to get something else on your resume. So I was was busy doing that. When I was in, uh, in school majoring in theater, I actually had an opportunity. I was doing an internship at a place called, it's, it's not exactly there anymore, but it was called the Fairfax County Council of the Arts. And I was doing an internship there. And the executive director came in to me one day and said, we have this grant that we received from the Mobile Foundation, as in Mobile Gas, uh, for $6,000. And it's to put together a program to say no to drugs uh, for children. She said, would you like to be in charge of it? And I said, sure, that sounds like a great, great opportunity. I'll do it. She's like, good. Let me know what you want to do and get back to me. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. So I did some research and, and tried to figure out, you know, what could I pull from? And I thought, well, I'll do a 30 minute show. I will 
tap into George Mason because I have all these these people there that are in in theater, and we'll see what we can we can come up with. I didn't realize that I had to I had to write everything from scratch and I had to put the whole thing together. So I had some wonderful people helping me, but I but I did, and it was called The Power of No, and it was a thirty minute mini musical on teaching kids, you know, what to say to say no to drugs, and it was really it was it was good. So with that money. Uh, putting the whole thing together, we we premiered it at George Mason, and the children actually were bussed in from all over Fairfax County to see the show. Um, it went over really well, and then we were asked to go on tour to take it to all the other counties in Maryland. Ron, I got to ask you. Yes, you were on stage on this this gig, right? You're on stage. I actually did was not on stage. Yeah, producer, director, writer, you're all earth behind the scenes. Is it is it on YouTube somewhere? Somebody must have videotaped Somebody it. Somebody has. And I know I know we have copies of it. I will tell you it was a five-person cast. There was there were two characters that the National Institute of Health wrote a little booklet about about drugs and for, for children. And it was they were called Susie the Frog and Katie Kangaroo. And I thought, well, I'm gonna take these two characters. And I'm going to build on it because they must already be familiar with that. Wrong. Okay. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> Nobody saw anything about it. it. It wasn't there. So I had to, I had to, to build this show. One of the, the, the people that were, was in the show, his name is Steve Park. He is still a good friend of mine um, to this day. Steve actually during college, is a wonderful artist, graphic designer, and he was in the show and he and he did the he did the costumes, he he did the backdrop, he did everything. He actually got himself a job with Prince, the musical wow. performer. So for 10 yeah. years he worked for Prince in Minneapolis doing his album covers. So. That's awesome. I got a chance to meet your husband Bob as part of our, you know, what we're doing with the uh, Agent of the Year awards. Yes. How did you two meet? I worked for a friend of his who had a theater and I think, you know, I, I was attracted to him probably because he was so smart. Just Ah. he's, he's incredibly, incredibly smart. He thinks on a different level than everyone else. So it's, it's, it, to me, it was very intriguing. You know, I've always considered myself smart, but average, but um, hopefully likable. So we just really, we really did hit it off the attributes and the, the, uh, you know, characteristics that he has, I don't have and vice versa. So it just, it just works. Yeah. I've, I've heard a couple of people say, don't find someone just like you find somebody <laughs> that compliments. Right. Cause right? you kill them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good. I like that. So we have to get you to the world of real estate, right? Now you've been in the business a while. So let's talk about how did that happen? Almost 20 years. So we had been traveling with his with his corporate jobs. I also was in the corporate field. We uh, left the state of Maryland. He's originally from uh, upstate New York, Saratoga Springs. He came to Maryland to go to the Naval Academy. So he is nice. a Naval Academy graduate, former veteran. We were traveling and we had gone to different states. And I had a family member that had gotten sick in Maryland. And I said to him, you know what? I'm kind of done. I, I want to go home. I don't want to travel anymore. And everywhere we went in the, the States, part of our relocation package, we bought a home. 
we had one bad real estate experience after another. They just mm. kept getting worse. So he says to me, we can go home to Maryland. I have an idea. I was like, what's your idea? He said, why don't we get our real estate license and go into real estate? And I was like, oh, that is a terrible idea. I did not want to do that. He said, no, no. He said, you know, between the two of us, I think we can do this well. And the one thing I thought was, you know, those real estate agents, they always had nice cars. So I thought, all right, what the heck? It seemed like a good idea. So we'll go back and do it. So we go to get our license. And just before, just before we finish the course and, uh, and go to test, he has the opportunity to go out of state for a consulting job that he couldn't pass up. So he mm. leaves me sitting here and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wasn't even sure what I was going to do. So I was in an office and I was, I looked around and I thought, let me see who looks like they've got it together. So I found myself a mentor. He seemed like every time I asked him a question, he knew the answer. He was smart. He understood the whole process, but he wasn't busy. And I thought, that's really odd. Why is he not busy, but he knows so much? So I started talking to him, or I can look back now, and I, I think I started bugging him is what I did. And I would ask him a million questions, and he was, he was pretty good about answering me. And um, he liked to go out to lunch. So in order for me to get more information, I would take him out to lunch. And that's, and that's what we did for, for a little bit. So I made a deal with him. I said, I got, a, I got a thought. If I were to get a buyer or a seller, would you help me with everything else, the paperwork, the inspection, so that we can get through from mm -hmm. A to Z? And he said, yeah, 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 go ahead. <laughs> Which sort of meant like, yeah, toddle off and leave me alone. I'm playing on the computer here. And that's kind of what it was. It was a very interesting relationship. So um, I there were opportunities at this time to how you would meet clients was it was the company was Coldwell Banker. And they had what we call a kiosk at the mall, which was very close to the office. So it was mm. a real estate kiosk. You could go and you could sit there and hopefully people would come come around and you'd start talking to them. They also had something called um, uh, floor duty, or now they, I think it's, I don't know if they even do it anymore. It's opportunity time. So people would come in and they, and, and you would sit down at the front desk and you would answer the phone for people who had just gotten the newspaper and saw a house and they had questions about it. So they would call you. So I didn't realize at the time, nobody wanted to do these things. So it was a problem getting it, it manned that the kiosk at the mall because nobody wanted to sit there and no one wanted to answer the phone in the office. So I thought, well, I don't have anything better to do and I got to learn. So I might as well do that. So I did. And I was very naive because I didn't think that I couldn't do it. So I thought, well, I'll go to the mall. I'll talk to some people. I'll pick up a buyer. I'll start working with them. I'll show them a house and I'll get them a house. And that's how it works. So... I went and I did that because I didn't know I couldn't. And I will have to say that my first several transactions, probably about 10, everybody was wonderful. Everybody said yes. Everybody could buy. And I remember being in the office saying to somebody, you know, I don't know why people think this is so hard. <laughs> now, if that hadn't happened, I mean, that is not real life. I was like in the twilight zone of real estate. If it, had, yeah. if it hadn't happened that way, I don't know if I would have stayed in it. I might have 
quit by the time my my husband came back. I would have said, you know, this isn't for me. This is really hard. And I don't I don't want to do this. Um, I remember I had a rude awakening when I was explaining something to someone and I could see in their eyes that they thought I wasn't telling them the truth, that I was mm. giving them a sales pitch and I was horrified. And I thought, okay, all right, this is awful. This is an industry where it's tough because people don't, don't believe you. And, you know, they know how it works. They also know that you don't get paid unless you do get them something. So it's really, it's, it's set up a little strange, but yet you have to believe that there are people that care and will do a good job. And, um, and that's really what started happening. So, so the gentleman that I took as my mentor had to get out of that seat where he was playing on the computer all day. And he, he helped me and I ran around and I did whatever he told me to do. And, you know, in the first couple months, we made some money and he handed me the checks. And I was like, cause I said, are we going to split this 50 50? And he said, absolutely. I was like, okay. And, um, and I was like, wow, it, it was, it, I was thinking, you know, you, it's a lot of work, but you, you can make a nice living. And that's, yep. that's what I re- remember thinking. And then my husband came back and he said, we got to put some systems in place and we have to, we have to be more organized of how we do things. And I think, what we need to do is because we had gotten busier once my husband came back because he had a method and he had an idea and he had, and he had the marketing thought, everything, everything was planned. We had a whole business plan. He said, once we put this in place, he said, I think we have to get a client care person, a licensed agent to sit in the office to help with paperwork. So while we're, we're running around, they can take care of all that stuff. So that was actually the first person we put into place. And then he said, I think now we need a buyer's agent. A buyer's agent will help us get to people that we can't, we can't get to fast enough because every client, they need to feel like they are the most special client and perhaps your only client. They need to feel that way. That's important. It is. Um, My mentor ended up uh, he was like, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> so he was so busy. He, he, he didn't like it. But anyway, long story short, we, once we had grown our team, he and his wife, who retired from the government, came back and worked for us for a year on the team. I think they made the most money they ever made. Great couple. So Wow. Well, I, I can, you can almost sense the, uh, that, uh, that Naval Academy uh, education kind of working with Bob there right to in. just come oh, right in and we're going to, we're going to yeah. systematize this. And that's yeah. how we run our, our business. Actually, our that's whole great. team is, it's very organized. Um, yeah. You know, people, people can be themselves because in our, in our industry, it's very important to, to, to always do the right thing, but you know, your personality has to come through. So we are like Baskin Robbins here. We have even more than 31 flavors. I mean, I've got everybody. <laughs> Because because that's the that's the consumer. You have to be able to either be a chameleon and work with whoever is in front of you, or you have to make sure they are paired with the right person, and then it's right. going to be a success. You're, you're with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services PenFed Realty, correct? correct? First of all, I, I've I've seen the PenFed name a lot, and I have no idea what PenFed is. They're a credit. <laughs> ah, okay, so it stands for something else. They are a credit union that purchased a real estate company. 
Awesome. Okay. So you're, you, you have uh, your operation within that area. What brought you to, to, that, uh, to that brokerage? So we were with another brokerage prior to that. And I don't know if we can, I don't, I, you know, some brokerages are a little better than others. But what happened was we received a call uh, from the broker who said Berkshire Hathaway Home Services is coming to our area. They started in California. They had called and said, would you be interested in joining if we become Berkshire Hathaway Home Services? And we said we would. Because they were deciding, is this are they moving forward with this decision or not? If they hadn't, we probably would not have joined. But we did like the Berkshire Hathaway name. And, and I think, you know, Warren Buffett is probably a, a really smart guy. <laughs> so if yep. it says Berkshire Hathaway, it's going to be great. So yeah. they said that, and, and we said, what we want is uh, our own team office. And they were like, okay. And the other thing that we wanted is we wanted to be branded so that our name hung on the outside of the building. Well, Berkshire Hathaway doesn't do that. So that took several months going back and forth because we said, well, we really don't want to do this because in our area, we felt that we had a very good reputation and even though they know the name Berkshire Hathaway, they don't associate it with residential housing. So we said, that's how people know us. So we really need to be co-branded. And we want our name in lights on the outside of the building because that's our brand. And they, they waited and they worked and they, we went back and forth and they said, we'll do it. So we did. And I think we were actually the first team in Berkshire Hathaway to be able to to be allowed to have that name on the building besides their name. I can tell that you value relationships and service, you know, at the Bob and Rhonda group. It, it is, it's obvious, right, from the, the conversations I've had. How do you maintain those high standards, especially with the team? So they, you probably heard this term a lot. If you have a lot of real estate agents, it's like herding cats, because <laughs> mm-hmm. they all have their own mind and they're their own people. And they, they usually worked by themselves or they've come from another team, maybe a dysfunctional team, a team where it wasn't set up like the model that we have, which I think is outstanding. And you don't find that all over. So we don't just let anyone come on the team. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, an interview process. And it's not just with Bob and myself. We have like an executive team and they will meet and talk with a potential agent who wants to join because we want to make sure it's a good fit. We have a wonderful culture and we want them to be a part of it and we want them to embrace it. We also want them to know that we have their back and, and our goal is to make them very successful as an agent. So no matter where they where they hail from, when they come in, they do like an assessment analysis of this agent to see what they know, what they don't know. So that because everybody is coming from a different place. So that's how we put them on a on a path of training and hopefully success. And it is it is sort of run very controlled. But I, I look at it this way. No matter where you work, what business you're in, what industry, you need to be accountable. Because if you're accountable, you'll do better. And it's good yeah. for you. It's good for everyone. Yeah, that's, I've, I've talked to other t- teams and team leaders. There's, there are certain things that are non-negotiable, like 
we have a system that we've proven over the years works and you have to be a part of this system. If you can't be a part of the system, then maybe we're not for you. Is that, is that fair? That is correct. Cause we explain exactly yeah. what they're walking into and if they're okay with it and they can see the value because there's a couple different types of value there. Mm-hmm. It is, there is the immediate uh, fixes that we can do or what we can create for them so that they get their business started. But beyond that, they have to see the long-term plan that we have for them because they really can make this a career and they can become very successful, but it's, it's a, it's a well-oiled machine. But once we do our part, the agent has to do their part for it to work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you've said it a couple of times through this interview, it is a lot of hard work and, and uh, I think people don't appreciate that sometimes uh, as looking from the outside and they maybe their transaction went silky smooth in their opinion. And the reason was is because you or your team was behind the scenes just taking care of everything else. So they didn't even know about it. Yeah, as that's it a big part be. of it. And I, and I think yeah, that's fine. People, people always tell me, oh, you make it seem really easy. And I'm like, well, good. That, that's good. good. But, you know, I think it's like that with every industry. It's better not to know always what's going on behind the scenes, no matter what the industry is. You don't need to see how they make the sausage. You that's don't. It, right? yeah, that yeah. is correct. Um, let, me, let me ask you this question. Uh, obviously, tech's a big part of what you all do because it's, it's important. But how do, you, how do you take the technology that's there and tie it into the, the, that personal touch that's so important to the group? So because of the way the world has changed with technology, we make sure that we always have the latest and greatest. I also have the people that understand it. So which code word for younger than me. (laughs) And um, we have to make sure that we are corresponding and communicating with the consumer the way they want. And that's whether it's phone, it's text, it's, email, it's Instagram, it's Snapchat, you name it. I mean, there's a million different ways for people to get in touch with each other. So it's, yeah. it's very important to us. So we are, we, we do a lot to make sure that everybody's very comfortable with the technology. We don't make a change just for the sake of change. It has to make sense on many levels and it has to work. And we have some great people behind the scenes that, that make it work and they work very hard too. So I, you know, I like to give credit beyond to Bob and myself. I mean, it, it does take a village and we, we have a huge village. <laughs> yeah. Having that you have, you, you have, I'll call it departments, right? With the different, you have someone handling the marketing side, you have an admin team. We do. My guess is you have somebody who's already, you know, with listing coordinators, leads coordinators, all that stuff is part of your team. We've taken the traditional agent that used to be the one agent and we sliced them up and we made them into departments. And that's what makes it work uh, because they're all focusing on their area so that the outside sales agent has the opportunity to spend as much time as possible with their clients, with their buyers, with their sellers. And that's what's important. Yeah. I've had you here the half hour that I asked of you, Rana. So I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up with the same final question I ask every guest. And that is what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started? Well, that is a great question. Code word for stalling for time while you think of this, you know, when you first get started, here's what you need in this industry. Here it is. You don't, you, you can come from any place you, you want to. 
you have to have a good attitude. Number one, you have to have a good attitude. If you don't have a good attitude about something, don't go into real estate. I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you to go into, but don't do that. Second, you have to be open for feedback. You have to be able to take what an experienced agent or agents, because there's lots of us, what we're telling you, and you really have to listen. And if you don't understand something, that's fine. You have to keep asking questions. There is no harm in saying, I don't explain this again. I don't get it. I, I think that's fine. It's when you go radio silent and you don't ask. And then internally, it starts to eat away at you. If you are, are not going into, into this industry with the, the right mindset. Most agents fail within the first two years. And, and I don't exactly know the right number, but most of them make like maybe less than 22000 a year their first year, if they make that. So you can get probably soured very quickly. You have to have the right mindset. You have to have the right attitude, the right feedback. And hey, the most important thing, either find somebody who loves you a lot and is going to pay your bills or at least have six months in savings put away that you can use because it takes a while to get cooking. You know, it's, we can give you, we've got the best recipes and the meals are going to be delicious. I always said that Bob and I are like the broth. You have to have that broth for a really good soup. And then we have all these added vegetables and meats in the broth, which are the agents and all the staff that makes it absolutely delicious. So Kind of get the my my husband says I have terrible analogies, but you get the idea. <laughs> that that is first of all the first first time that analogy's been used on the show. Oh, score. I love it. It's <laughs> awesome. Yes, um, Rana. If somebody wants to reach out and get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? So, if you want to Google me, which is fine, I'm actually the only Rana in all of real estate in Maryland, so that works for me. But. Feel free to go on to our website, which is bobandrana.com. So that's B-O-B-A-N-D-R-O-N-N-A.com. You can email me at bobandrana at bobandrana.com. It's redundant, but it works. Um, or my direct line, which is 410-300-9500. Again, 410-300-9500. A million years ago, I stood in line at the Sprint store. There was a 17-year-old kid behind the counter. I said, I have to have just the right real estate number uh, to make my my business work. And he was like, okay, well, we can just keep putting them in until something pops up that you like. And, and, and we were li literally there for an hour. And he says to me, I got it. Will this work? And I'm like, it does. That's the number. So it's been my number awesome. for a long time. Rana, this has been more than I expected. This is fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Bill. You've been a pleasure, pleasure too, and I've, I've enjoyed it. Good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to The Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app.